There we are. He is forgiven. Man, I love uh, the story of Brad Jacobs and uh, what a, a year um, his life has been. Christ Community, we're thankful uh, that God continues to, to write and change stories. And um, it's uh, our privilege a lot of times just to um, see how God works in those stories. Um, I want to invite you as we get started today. In front of you, there may be a communication card on one of the chairs. Grab one of those because we'd love to learn your story. And um, the easiest way for us to do that is to be able to learn how we can contact you and um, spend some time with you and learn your story. And so, so do that. And um, while you're grabbing that and putting your name on there, uh, know that next week uh, after church, after the gathering, there is uh, something called uh, Covenant Membership 101, where if you have questions about what that is or if you're looking for your next step at Christ Community, that's a great chance to stay, eat lunch with us, and, um, and have some of those uh, answered. I also wanted to let you all know about um, our plans for Easter um, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the stone is rolled away. Uh, we're going to, it's going to be a theme that we kind of see playing throughout that weekend. Uh, Good Friday, April 14th, we're going to be doing something called the Journey to the Cross. Uh, we'll have stations around the building. That'll be a family thing. Like you, you will come. It's a self-guided thing. Really excited about this, that you and your kids can come and make your way through and um, hopefully identify with um, the, the journey of Christ to the cross. And so that'll be from 5 to 8. We'll be here open for that. And then on Easter, we're going to have two gatherings, uh, one at 8.30 and one at 10. Midland and, and Governor's Square will be together for those gatherings. So we're excited about that. Um, today, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians before we jump into some of our Easter stuff. And uh, just to remind you, last week was Love Shelbyville Day where we go and we serve our city. And so it's been a couple of weeks since we've um, since we've been in the Word together. And um, when we were in Ephesians chapter 3 two weeks ago, we talked about this idea that God reveals His riches in response to unity. That He reveals His riches, His, His riches of grace to us in response to our unity together. And today, um, we kind of we kind of teased out this idea that, that He has given you grace. He's given all of us grace, and yet there's this specific gift, there's these specific riches that He gives to each of us, and discovering those will help us in this journey to find a united state with ourself and with others. And so um, today we're going to talk about this idea that our gifts, whatever they are, um, should be drawing us together, not setting us apart. Drawing us together, not setting us apart. And so um, if you've got your Bible, please find Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read the first 16 verses there. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. We'll have it on the screen or you can find it on your phone or in your Bible with you. Uh, and we're going to read this together and then we're going to pray for, uh, for Apocento Alto. Uh, one of the things we've been doing in this series um, as we think about kingdom unity is praying for other churches in our community. Apocento Alto is a, a Hispanic church here in our community. We actually did a, a joint uh, sunrise service with them over at our Midland location last year. The name means the upper room. And um, we're going to pray for them and for their pastor, Carlos Gomez, as we begin our time in the Word here this morning. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts, of, the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us, April Fools, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your spirit to bring to us, uh, to remind us of your son Jesus, the precious gift that he gave to us all, the gift of grace. But God, I also pray that in this time that you would um, that you would write on the hearts of, of men and women the gifts that you have given them to draw the church together. And God, I pray that as we study your word, that we would be reminded of the gospel in such a way that it would inspire us to go outside of this place, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be light in a dark world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody remember the movie Castaway? Came out in the year 2000. Uh, and if you remember the movie Castaway, um, had a couple of uh, starring roles in that movie. Uh, one was this guy, uh, you may not have heard of him, named Tom Hanks. Um, and then the real star of the movie was this guy named Wilson. Uh, Wilson is the real star of the movie Castaway. There, there's just no question. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, in the, in the movie, Tom Hanks has, has everything going for him. He, is, uh, he works for FedEx. He's this process engineer. He flies around the world. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's got everything going for him. He's got a, a, a beautiful girlfriend, right? All this stuff. And his plane crashes. His plane crashes and it leaves him stranded on this remote island. And um, Wilson doesn't even come into the scene. I mean, he, it was a great role for him. Um, he doesn't even come into the scene until later in the movie. But uh, when Tom Hanks gets to this point where isolation is, is eating him alive, Wilson becomes Tom Hanks' only companion on this deserted island. 
And uh, it really becomes Tom Hanks's only way of maintaining his sanity due to this extreme isolation. And uh, I tell this story because uh, as we begin to read this, this in chapter 4, Paul's making a transition in this letter to the Ephesians. And he's, he's moving from the idea that unity is important to the application of how we begin to be unified. And what we see is that isolation is an enemy of unity. That kind of makes sense, right? But isolation is an enemy of unity. And when we think about isolation, I think we quickly go to extreme situations like Tom Hanks and Wilson. We often think of being deserted on an island or we think of, you know, uh, being maybe in a, in a cell all by ourselves in jail. But the reality is, is that in our quickly advancing world, there are all kinds of things, good things, bad things, neutral things that are isolating us. It may be a good season at work where work is really busy, and before we know it, we find ourselves isolated from everything but that. Uh, it may be something bad, something tragic uh, may have happened in our family, or um, our kids may be really, really sick, and before we know it, we've found ourselves isolated from the rest of the world, or maybe something that's not inherently good or bad that has caused us to be in isolation. And I think that too often in our world, we don't realize that spiritually we've isolated ourselves. Spiritually, we've isolated ourselves. There, there's been a conversation going on for quite a while about, well, if I love Jesus, why do I need to go to church? Why, why do I need a community of, of believers? And so here we see at the beginning of, of chapter 4 that Paul is begging, he's imploring people to, to walk worthy of their calling. And he says to do it with all of these characteristics, to do it with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, to have peace. And, and as we think about those things, if you think about them for just a moment, you, you might realize that all of these character, characteristics require the presence of other people. How can we be patient if there's not other people to be patient with? How can we be gentle if there's not someone? How can we bear with one another? You get the idea. All of these require the presence of people. And Paul goes on to cast vision then for unity in verses 4 through 6. And he says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. You see, Paul right here, he's laying a baseline for, for these essential things that must be in unity. Unity requires community. And isolation is the enemy of that unity. 2 Peter 5.8 may be a verse that you've heard referenced or uh, maybe one that you've read. And it just says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, when we think about lions in our real world, and we think about how they attack their victim, they'll often come up on a pack and they'll isolate their victim before moving in for the kill. So we must stay alert because when we get to that place of isolation, it may be a good reason that we're in isolation, it may be a bad reason that we're in isolation, it may be a neutral reason that we're in isolation. There's always a, a good excuse, a good reason for why we've ended up in isolation. There's a story. There's a reason. 
Like Tom Hanks, maybe it's an unexpected crash. Like the victim of a lie, maybe someone's strategically been trying to isolate us. But we have to fight to be with people so that we don't fall victim to the enemy. We still say, well, why do, we, why do we need people? Can't God sustain us? Even in these moments of isolation, can't God sustain us? And the, the answer, of course, is yes, but, but God, in his own humility, and his own grace, chooses to do this through people. See, God gives great gifts to people through people. God gives great gifts to people through people. Read with me in verses 7 through 13. Paul writes, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So yeah, he's here and he's around you even in your isolation, right? He, he's, he's here and he's done that, but, but he's given gifts, these specific gifts to people. And it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Notice who the gifts are. The gifts are the people. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God gives great gifts to people through people. And the gifts are the people, right? It says God gave to the church, these people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, those are um, words that we maybe use some, but they're also like pretty churchy words. And there are some people who are way smarter than I who have begun to, to think about the different kinds of people in our world, their personalities and their giftings. And they've given us some helpful guidelines, some, some short definitions that might help us think about um, what those roles look like in our society. And so um, they've talked about the apostles being ones that extend the gospel. In other words, these are people that they like to go where nobody's gone before. Um, you guys heard a couple of weeks ago about uh, Gary and Connie Burkett who are talking about uh, church planning amongst unreached people groups, right? Like they like to extend the gospel into places that it's hard to go into. Uh, that's kind of the mentality of the apostle. They like the impossible challenge. Prophets know God's will. Uh, These might be the people in your life or that you know that um, they're really good at just discerning what's right and wrong. They can kind of, you feel like when you talk to them, like they look inside your soul, right? And and, um, they they seem to to know. Now, it's important to say that... um, these roles, as we see them in the Bible, they may be a little different than, than these descriptions of gifts, right? And that's a whole other conversation for another day. But this gives us an idea of what these gifts uh, of the, the church look like. Evangelists, it simply says to recruit, right? And these are the people that just love to call people in on mission with them. These are the people that like, they get excited and they want to bring a team of people with them and, and they want to go win the world. Um, shepherd, pastors, they're there to nurture and protect. Uh, they, they love to, to just attend to the needs of people. And teachers, they understand and they explain. And so what Paul's suggesting here in this letter to the Ephesians is that 
for many of us, we have special gifts, we have special strengths uh, and abilities that would lend us to, to fit in one of these categories as we realize the gift that the Spirit has given to us. And God, in his humility, blesses us with these gifts by letting us receive them through other people. Here's what I mean by that. For example, I, I enjoy using the gifts that, that God has given to me. And, and as I best understand myself, which is always a learning process, I think I would fall most in the, the shepherding and the teaching. But more blessed than being able to use those gifts is when I get to sit under the teaching of other people. I'm even more blessed when I get to be around an apostle type who loves to, to spread the gospel to other places or, or when I get to be in around an evangelist who's just calling me into the mission, right? And so God, God gives great gifts to people through people. It is more blessed to give than to receive, right? And so it brings us to this idea that I think is important for us to understand when we think about gifts working towards and for the unity of the church. And the idea is this. Our gifts are given to us not to set us apart, but to draw us together. I want you to think about that for a minute. Our gifts are given to us not to set us apart, but to draw us together. I think when we begin to think about our strengths, when we begin to think about how God has gifted us or what he's given to us, what we want to think about is, okay, uh, the, the question that we want to ask is, what has God given to me that sets me apart from all the rest? What is it that I am better at than everyone else? And that's not a, a bad question in and of itself, because your, your gifts do this. They do set you apart, but that's not why they're given. Instead, what if we ask the question, what gift has God given me to bring the church together? What gift has God given me to bring the church together? And in using that gift, everyone will begin to see how God has set you apart. So how do you figure out your gifts? What gift has God given you to bring the church together? Paul goes on in, in 14 through 16, and I think he gives us a picture of what it looks like when we're moving in the right direction towards discovering our gifts. And, and as we think about this, I, I want to give you three words to, to help you remember this. Prayer, dare, and share. Can you say that? Prayer, dare, share. All right, you got it. Here we go. Prayer, dare, share. He says this in 14 through 16. He says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, when I think we come to this conversation about our gifts, it's really easy to skip the step of praying and asking God, what gift is it that you're giving to me? I'm reminded of a passage uh, that is uh, the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is talking to the people and, and he says this in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. He says, keep on asking and you will receive 
what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. And then in the very next verse, he goes on to talk about this idea of gifts. And he says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And I think we can take this passage and we can apply it to maybe what we want in life or that answer to that question or or whatever we're, we're wanting to know from God. But I want to challenge you to think about thinking about this passage in terms of the spiritual gift that God wants to give to you. Have you really been asking and seeking, knocking, to ask God, God, what is it that you've given to me? What is my gift? And so this week, I want to challenge you to, to just pray that prayer consistently this week. God, show me a gift that you've given to me that I've used maybe to set myself apart instead of to draw the church together. Maybe there's something in your life that you know you're good at and you've never figured out how to use that for the gospel. Figure that out this week as you spend time praying to God. Prayer, but also dare. You know, when it comes to this conversation of spiritual gifts, if you've been around the church uh, for any length of time, you've probably heard of or done one of these spiritual gift inventories. They're great. In fact, we uh, sent out a link to one a couple weeks ago. We're going to post it on social media again today because they're super helpful in, in figuring that out. But I, I always have loved, uh, I've always loved this idea that the best way to discover your spiritual gifts um, isn't to take a test. The best way to, to discover your spiritual gifts is to exercise them. It's to dare to strike out and do things that you wouldn't usually do. And when you do that, you'll quickly learn how God is gifting you because you'll see him showing up in that. Uh, Christine Salmon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on her for a minute. Uh, a couple months ago, she, uh, she sent me a note, and it was just a note of encouragement. And, and at the bottom of that note, she said, um, I just want you to know, she said, one of the things that I decided I was going to do this year was I was going to try to bless one person every day. I was like, that is awesome. That is so cool. And so the other thing that's been neat about it is, is I've, I see all these stories, I hear about all these moments where um, Christine is behind the story of blessing. And they don't always look the same, right? So I get a note of encouragement, and then this week I see her um, rallying a group of people around a care package for uh, a young kid in our church family um, who, who is battling cancer. And I just, I love that. I love that, that she's just getting herself out there saying, I'm going to love on, bless somebody. And through that, I guarantee you she's learning more about the spiritual gifts that God has given to her, what comes naturally, what's a good fit, how she can best serve God in and through that thing. Dare, dare to get out there and use your gifts. And so this week I would just challenge you, um, you know, Christine's probably going to be doing it five or six or seven times this week. So can you do one? Can you go out of your way to bless one person this week, uh, get outside of your comfort zone and, and try to do that? Prayer, dare, and share. This is the key. I want to read verses 15 and 16 again from a different translation. There's an important word in here. 
that I think the New Living that I was originally reading out of just it just doesn't include. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A joint. A joint. There's this image that when we begin to use the gifts that God has given to us, we become a joint, something that connects two bones together. My wife, Caitlin, when she was um, younger, um, I I think it was maybe middle school. You have to ask your mom and dad. I wasn't around yet. But uh, she she wanted a slip and slide for her birthday. Uh, It's the last time she wanted a slip and slide for her birthday because while she was slipping and sliding, she broke her leg. And um, she... uh, went through that traumatic experience. She broke her leg, and apparently somewhere in that process, the growth plate in uh, one of her legs was stunted. It was messed with. And she spent, talk about isolation, right? Summer, her birthday's in July, July 1st. We have the same birthday. It's weird, but cool, all at the same time. So she spends the rest of the summer uh, cooped up inside with this full leg cast, and it stunted the growth of this leg. And so... Uh, she's not here, so I can say this today. Uh, she has one leg that's slightly longer than the other. Not everybody can say that, right? So, um, and here, here's the thing. Here, here's the reason I tell that story. We can ask God what our gifts are. We can even try to discover them through using them and through spiritual gift inventories and all these things. But if we don't have hard conversations if we don't figure out how to speak the truth in love, if we, if we don't share with one another, then the, the growth of the body is stunted. One leg's going to end up longer than the other. Things are going to be out of whack. They're going to be uncomfortable. Because when we avoid speaking the truth in love, be it because we've not built relationships with enough trust to do so or because we don't want to have hard conversations, we end up stunning our growth and we end up stunning the growth of the people around us. Your gifts won't be truly discovered without hard conversations. You may have ideas of what they are, but those affirmations, yeah, this is you, or those rejections, you know, this is, this is maybe a weak point. They come through tough conversations with the people that we trust. That's community. Somebody gave Caitlin and I a tip in marriage a few years ago. They said, when you go out on a date, if you really want to make your marriage better, instead of sitting there awkwardly trying to come up with what you're going to talk about and what you're going to avoid talking about because you don't want to end up in a fight on the one night that you don't have kids with you, it's okay. Everybody can awkwardly laugh. Just go ahead and and get ahead of that and ask your spouse, what is it that I can do better? Like, I want to hear the hard stuff. Like, what is it that I can do better in our relationship? How can I love you better? How can I serve you better? And then you got to be ready to, to hear it, right? What if I challenge you this week to ask someone you trust to tell you who you really are? Right? But we don't want to have that conversation either. 
But when we don't, when we don't, we stunt the growth of the body. We pretend like everything's okay. When in all, react- when in all actuality, no one is growing. There's lots of new faces today. Um, and so I also offer this. Maybe, maybe you're coming and you're like, I know I'm in isolation. I don't have that person. What do I do? Where do I start? And that's a hard journey, right? It's, it's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in one meeting or two meetings. It's, it's hard to build a genuine, authentic, trusting community. Uh, I do want to invite you, and you're going to get to meet these folks at the end of the service. Uh, we have two new community groups that are launching this week. Um, great people, and we're going to be sending and praying for them at the end of our gathering. And so if you're, if you're in that moment right now thinking, I'm not sure I even have anybody, then be willing to jump in and meet these people at the end of the gathering today. Prayer, dare, and share. And those hard conversations, the sharing, they're essential. If you really want to figure out who God has made you to be, if you really want to work towards a kingdom picture of the church where everyone is united. Because if we don't work together to discover our gifts, then we end up floating into a meaningless life. Did you, did you catch that in verse 14? He says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. In other words, we're not just going to ride the wave of emotions. We're not just going to ride the wave of, of, of our weeks. But instead, we're going to know our purpose when, we're, when we take time to discover our gifts with one another. But for too many of us, we just float to the next thing. We ride the wave. We don't grow. We may stay afloat, but that's not unity. In fact, when we're just staying afloat, it often becomes isolation. If you've seen that movie, Castaway, you may remember uh, the end of the movie. You may remember the fate of, of Tom Hanks. It takes four years. He studies the weather, weather patterns. He builds this raft. Of course, Wilson gets to be on the raft. He's got a place for sure. And so they set sail, hoping to make their way back to civilization. But as he's doing that, he ends up losing Wilson. Right? Wilson is gone forever into just floating the ocean. No meaning, riding the waves. And there's this picture of Tom Hanks collapsing in frustration on his raft. And he just lays there with no purpose, no direction. And he's even more isolated from the rest of the world at this moment than when he was on the island. You may think this is extreme isolation, but this is a picture of our lives without Christ. This is a picture of our lives without the clarity as to how he's gifted us. This is a picture of what it looks like when we just ride the waves of life without the intentionality that the Holy Spirit can give our lives when we take the time to discover our gifts together in community. Here's the good news. Somebody found Tom Hanks. And somebody found you. Jesus found you. Luke 15, there's a whole chapter of stories about how Jesus came to find the one 
He came to find you. So with new faces come new stories, stories that I don't know, stories that I'm just learning. And maybe today you're here because you feel like that. You didn't know it when you walked in, but you're realizing I'm isolated. I'm alone. And that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm here to tell you that the good news of Christ is that when we are willing to let him shape and mold and speak truth into us through a community of believers, he will bring us into unity together. It won't be easy. There'll be a whole lot of speaking the truth in love. But it will be worth it. It will be worth it.